Grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right. Teams will be getting back out onto the diamond this week. That includes the Yankees starting Thursday. Last year's season sure was different. Only 60 games and all that. But, you know, it's still exciting. And this year's poise to be even better. Full 162 games. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions. You hear that, Taylor? Millions of dollars throughout the week. I can become a millionaire in a week? Wow, this gambling thing sounds great. We should all do this. Yep, that's right. Compulsively. (laughs) But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. Taylor, who you got in the tournament this weekend? Got to go with, uh, you know, my uh, my boy, Brooks Kepka. Wow. Love that pick. Well, with millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have a skin in the game than with DraftKings. Now, what do you do? You download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we are recording this episode right now before the Sabres are getting ready to take on the Philadelphia Flyers with a shot at having their 19th consecutive game without a win. What are you feeling right now? Well, you know, mostly confusion. <laughs> Lots of it. So before we uh, we started recording here, Taylor and I were getting mad about the stupidity of how the NHL categorizes these things. So do you want to dive into that, Taylor? Yeah, let's go with a brief history lesson. There was a time when the NHL had a very simple system, wins, losses, and ties, and there was no overtime in a regular season. Eventually they did add overtime, but it was still the same deal. Wins, loss, or tie. After those five minutes, if no one scores a tie, someone scores, that team wins. Easy. And then in the late 90s, in, in an insanely bad idea, they added overtime losses as a category. And then eventually, after the lockout in 0405, they stopped doing ties and started doing shootouts, which added shootout losses, which are the same as overtime losses in the standings for all intents and purposes. You get a point. It obviously creates a ridiculous system where it's better to lose in overtime than to lose in regulation, but it's not worse to win in overtime to win in regulation. Mm. Some games are worth three points. Some games are worth two points. Mm -hmm. Insane system, very bad system, but they wanted to do it. So they got it. So now we have this weird system of looking at when losing streaks, because it's easy to get to overtime in the NHL and always has been since overtime has been instituted. It's really impossible to lose like, I don't know, more than 14 regulation games in a row, which the Buffalo Sabres did in 2014 and 15. Mm, it's not easy sure to do did. but if you lose in overtime you still lost even though you got a point point. and in the past you could have lost in overtime you could have lost in regulation and you could have had a tie so three different ways to not win so there's 
that creates something called a winless streak. The longest in NHL history is 30 games. Winnipeg Jets, early 80s. But there's also like, you know, a losing streak, losing in regulation most times in a row. 17 times is the record, but, you know, mostly expansion teams down there, World War II era teams that have those kind of records. So where do the Sabres stand? Well, in this long streak that they're in, they've actually, uh, I almost said one, they've earned three points because they've gone to overtime three times. One of those was a shootout, which in the old days would have been a tie. Mm. So where are we? They're not, this is not the longest losing streak of all time because they're not even technically on a losing streak. Their last game, they lost in overtime, which is a uh, half a win. So dumb. Uh, and now if they were to continue, let's say they lost some in overtime and some in regulation going forward, they'd be going after the longest winless streak. But what about this? They haven't actually won. They've lost all these games. That is also a losing streak. A winless streak is describing a losing streak unless you have ties. We do not have ties. This is a losing streak. And only one of these games would have even been a tie. So obviously it wouldn't be a streak in that, in that case, but it doesn't matter. So now we can't even have a good, like fun way. We can't even really have something to like, like look forward to, like, unless they really do get to 31, 30. Yeah. yeah, Which I honestly have a tough time seeing. Well, Um, can I throw something at you right now? Some breaking news that of course, (laughs) I'm we were finding this out when we decide to record before the game, but do you know what the Sabres are doing tonight? Um, are they putting Tage on the first line? They're putting Sam Reinhardt first line center. Whoa! It's happening. It's happening. They're going to win. It's happening. Oh my they're God. Gonna win and they're never going to do it again. Oh man. So this is a really, really interesting wrinkle that we were not preparing for. I was literally just looking at my phone quick at like pregame notes on Twitter. And yeah, Sam is centering the first line. So that I think is huge for a number of reasons. First being, this is something that you and I, what's that? Well, they don't have any centers, but (laughs) this is something that you and I and a lot of other people, you know, uh, among Sabres fans, something that we've been calling for, for quite a while. If we go back a little bit, Sam, when he was originally drafted, was drafted as a center. And when he got into the NHL, he was not given quality line mates to work with at all. And he was quick, quickly scrapped from, from playing center. He then eventually found a spot on Jack's wing. That ended up clicking. And for whatever reason, they never decided to try and really go back to it or give Sam the help that he needs on his wings, especially when we're talking about a guy who at the time, you know, was only 20, 21 years old, who you're trying out at center in the NHL. Somebody also too, like Reinhardt back then, one of the big issues with him was foot speed. And that's something that we know for a fact is essential to have being a center in the NHL is you got to have pretty decent foot speed. If you're, you know, like a younger guy trying to excel at the position, you have guys like Ryan O'Reilly, for example, who aren't the fastest, but he has just the smarts and experience and just overall two-way game that he's able to compensate for that. With Sam, it was a little bit different because it took him a while before he really became a force in his own zone that he is right now. So it, as has been the case with most things that people have wanted to see this season, it took a bunch of injuries for it to happen. You know, namely I'm talking like Borgen getting minutes, Bryson getting minutes, you know, it took how many injuries before we finally started to see that happen. So now we get to this point where we finally have a chance to see Sam at center. 
And this is pretty huge because yes, you only have, I think 22 games left um, 21 by the time everybody's listening to this, but this could end up being a nice little audition for him that maybe in the, you know, while we are now currently in the depths of hell full on in it, if over the next 21 games, we end up finding out that Sam is a very capable center and you can go into next season with the thought of maybe even doing something like Jack, Sam and cousins down the middle. Um, that's huge. And I think that gives you so much more roster flexibility. You know, that's one of the big reasons why we've wanted Sam at center, you know, for the past several years is because of the fact of what it can do to the lineup and, and, the options that it gives you with the way that Sam plays the game and how he really does have a tendency of making everybody around him better, even players who are better than him, Jack Eichel included, like especially Jack Eichel. So generally speaking, Taylor, I mean, without obviously seeing how this is going to go, what are your thoughts on Sam at center tonight? Well, against the Flyers, I shouldn't say tonight again, because yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hopefully it went well when you're listening to this. Yeah. This is something they've obviously should have tried at some point in the past few years, pretty much at this point of every season, they're out of it mm-hmm. at this point in March or, you know, even at this juncture of games, like they should be trying things more. And one of the most obvious things is getting Sam that opportunity. He's become such a good two-way player in the past few years. It'd be ridiculous to think that couldn't possibly extend to center and maybe it won't, but you have to be open to the possibility of it mm-hmm. considering just how uh, cerebral he is, what a good passer he is, how he's been pretty good in his own zone seems to be a responsible player. He's consistent. He doesn't really get hurt. Mm-hmm. All these things. It it kind of screams like he could be a good second-line center. And really, uh, you guys really screwed yourself out of ever having a good center, a second-line center, uh, because you traded what could have been the premier second-line center in the league. And just uh, – he's such a good second-line center. He was the first-line center on a team that won the Stanley <laughs> Cup. So you traded him for nothing, and you got nothing in return. And – They've tried to plug that hole with Casey Middlestad, failure. Marcus Johansson, not a center. Uh, Eric Stahl, washed, trash. Get him out of here. They did. Uh, now Cody Egan. Cody Egan, well, he's a third-line center. Also trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, your first-line center is out with so many injuries, I don't even know where to start. The guy so, who you let fill in at second-line center for a little bit last year who actually did reasonably well, too, you let him go in the offseason and yep. Johan Larson. That's right. Uh, Sammy Skurgensons, something did he tear his ACL? Uh, yeah, not something bad happened, but yeah, I don't know. Did he not play center when he was a rookie? Did he? Uh, no, he definitely he was drafted as a center. I he, know yeah, that he much. centered Molson and Ennis. Good, guy. and that was he was an all star. What are you talking You're about? Right, wow, he started the all star game. I'm just saying, I'm just thinking <laughs> back. Wow, yeah, he was a center, sure was. <laughs> um, so like you like you don't have centers. So this is this feels like they something they should have done a while ago. And you know, good on Granado for doing it because there's three of your predecessors just uh, refused. Well, that's actually Bielsma did. Bielsma tried him at center, barely, but he also didn't put him in a position to succeed. That's true. That's true. Remember when um, Eichel centered Reinhardt and Foligno? Yeah, that was for like, for like a, a while. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, really long. Yeah, really long time. I actually mm-hmm. saw someone say recently, some an analytics person talking about how Felino is now one of the best defensive players in the league. Looking at his I've seen that matches. as well. He's been in pretty nicely with the Wild. Cool. 
It's awesome. Good for him. Feels great. Feels good. I love hearing that about yeah. former Sabres. Yep. You just love to see it. Well, uh, I guess potentially there might be some good to come out of this and who knows, maybe this will be the thing that puts them over the edge and they finally are able to break out of this winless streak. But you know, that aside, I, I think it's very clear to say that very fair to say that even if the winless streak does end, doesn't change the fact that there's a lot that's gone wrong this year and a lot that needs to be done in the off season. So two of the big things that we want to kind of go into next that I think are worth talking about are the defense and namely Darlene and how, you know, Kruger's firing has since impacted him and how he's looked and his underlying metrics, but also the goaltending situation, which has been an absolute shit show the entire season with the exception of Allmark, who has done a fairly good job of keeping them afloat in the games that he's played in. Yes. Well, there's a stat that was thrown out by a Twitter account called Saber Stats that Allmark is now five, five and three this year as the starter mm-hmm. and Hutton, Tokarski and Johansson are one eighteen and two combined. And I actually, I, w- I wish I would have figured this out before <laughs> the podcast. Maybe I'll bring this up next time. Carter Hutton started last year so well, like mm-hmm. last October. I think he was like six and zero at one point, or six and one, or something like that. I'd love to look at what his record has been since then. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really don't. Well, I would. I, I would. Uh, would note this though that is this goaltending thing is you know obviously completely on them last year after that remember Hutton didn't win a game for months and then Allmark got hurt he had to come in and play a lot of games so eventually he had to win one mm-hmm. but then again at the end of the year he was like you know pooping the bed a little bit mm. and he came into this year and was never good for a second and he's won one game Johansson who got some time last year too not good has been noted and he's gone now and Tokarski there's a reason he didn't play for four and a half years but this this season which we just said this before the season 56 games in less than four months or roughly four months you are always going to have to play a lot of back-to-backs that means you're always going to have to use your backup a lot at, mo- at the very least if Allmark was healthy all year Hutton was still going to have to play 18 to 20 games mm-hmm. and based on the second half of last year it seemed like those, that could be like, ooh, I don't know, 15 to 20 losses, maybe. Completely and, sink you. Yeah. And he, it looks like that's happening. Now, you would never have expected, I did not expect at all for the offense to be what it is this year, both in terms of its how feeble it is and bad luck, both. I yeah. Mean, they're terrible and unlucky, and that leads to terrible outcomes. So that, that hurts things as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you don't turn into one of the worst teams ever for no reason, but this it's it's underrated how much goaltending has sunk them they were six eight and two when Allmark got hurt they were which means, very in the thick of it at yeah. the time yeah i mean it was that early in the season that it wasn't like we were very upset but it wasn't this no and not it was even far close. from over not even close it wasn't over it was just looking really bad at that point they were looking very bad they'd only beaten the devils for <laughs> they were just coming out of the covid yep protocols but like they didn't make a move. They didn't even try to make a move. There's no rumblings at all that they were going to like try to do. Well, anything. and we've talked about this. People, I feel like talk about it, but we really aren't focusing enough on it right now. And I think that when we look back on this season, come off season and really just years to come, when we look back on this season, it, it, I mean, everything changed after the devil series. And when you have, oh, yeah. 
how how long were they off? Like a week, a week and a half or so, I believe. Uh, of just missed yeah. time. It, it was probably close to two weeks. Right. And then it rips through the team, rips through again, as we've talked about, like with Rasmus just a lion and how he was having the year of his career. And then he gets it. We again, we don't know the extent to which he still may be battling um some of the after effects, but we do know that not even just in hockey, across all sports that there have been numerous instances of guys who've got it. They come back into game action and they don't have the stamina that they had before. And that really hurts you, especially down the stretch in games too, because if it gets to, it's one thing if, you know, you're able to go two periods really hard, but if by the third period, your lungs are just giving up on you. I mean, that, that's, that crushes you and your ability as a player to, to make a positive impact. And so to me, I mean, I, you know, we obviously are fixated on this 18 game losing winless streak right now and, and rightfully so, but the fact that they've been so bad in this streak has kind of, I feel like in a way taken people's attention away from the fact that this is in large part due to the COVID breakout from the devils. And I, I just feel like that's something that we're like, oh, people yeah. aren't acknowledging yeah. like it is, it is uh, for proper context. I know it's easy to dunk. I guess that's what I'm saying is that it's easy to dunk on them and say like, oh my God, these guys suck. You know, this is terrible. Historically, historically bad season, at least in the modern NHL, arguably the worst stretch of games that a team has ever had. But there's a, a bit of, you know, causality to that. And that's the fact that the the outbreak completely tanked the season for them. So you, it's a good point because I'd actually like to look into teams that had the worst outbreaks this year. The Devils are one of them. The Devils have also been bad. People mm-hmm. expected the Devils to be bad. And the Sabres, frankly, they're probably not too surprised. The reigning Western Conference champions are going to miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. With the Stars. And they had probably the worst outbreak. People might not remember because it was before the season. But yeah. they had 17 people test positive. They did. I think the other thing with them, though, just for additional context, is that their top center and their starting goalie have both been out with injuries for the entire season and aren't expected to be back until early April at, or like in the You're next referring to Bishop weeks. and Sagan. I am. Yeah. But and neither I of mean, those are COVID related. Bishop was out for pretty much the entire playoffs. No, he was. Sagan was mentally out for most of the playoffs. He was, but I think in Bishop's case, it's a little bit different just because with Hudobin, I mean, that's not like the kind of thing where a guy just kind of comes onto the scene out of nowhere. Like he's been around for a while. And I think that the kind of combination between Dallas just having like a good team last year and also him just playing the hockey of his life contributed to that. But I mean, like Ben Bishop prior to this long-term injury spat that he's been dealing with. I mean, he's been a perennial Vesna guy for the past five years, you could probably say. So he was a, a Vesna guy, and then he was awful. Yeah, and then he was a Vesna guy again. Very strange right. career. That's what had. I mean. Yeah. So it's just interesting with Remember them, in LA. especially. But he was—he's been everywhere. Tampa, um, Ottawa, Ottawa. Oh my God! Yeah, what a weird path. That but he was had. in LA when he was good. Yeah. How about LA? They just remember that time that LA was just like pumping out goalies. Like Bernier was like the yeah. up and comer for them. And then it Martin was Jones. Martin Jones and they should have kept one of those guys. Cause I, their goalie stinks. Well, yeah. Calvin Peterson now though. Oh, he's yeah. That's former uh, Buffalo Saber kind of. Yeah. I don't want to talk about him. So I saw <laughs> um, someone maybe it was, no, it was NHL.com. There was like a, it was, it might've been writers voting or it might've been scouts, GMs, whatever. 
on the players of the conference, like little all-star teams for the different divisions mm -hmm. and had the uh, number one defenseman in that division as Drew Doughty. Dude, I did see that when Sam Girard is probably could win the Norris on his own. Like with not even like quantifying it down to divisions. Yeah. Okay. So you had <laughs> Gerard and Makar. Yep. And Pietrangelo. Right. But Makar has been hurt. For, That's true. He was hurt for, hurt. But he's already back to playing at a point per game pace now. But Gerard, though, has, I mean, he was the one who was picking up the slack. He's been amazing for them. You know, yeah. I, that's I still also you know. I, even dignifying this with a conversation. Drew Doughty's his offensive numbers have dipped to say the least, but his underlyings are terrible. Yeah. And one of the he's people slightly better this year, I will say. But like, that's the thing is that Drew Doughty being slightly better than the dog shit that he was previously. People are like, wow, this guy probably deserves the Norris just because of his name. Yeah. Well, so the Kings, even though reputation, whatever the Kings reputation was that they were, when they were good many years ago, they were like a tough team. And that's true. It was all true. They were tough to play against. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have too many weaknesses. Uh, they didn't give up a lot of opportunities. And when they did, uh, Jonathan Quick was always pretty hot in the playoffs for the two years that they won. But they kind of were really dependent, especially in the playoffs, on like Kopitar, Justin Williams, Marion Gabrick, Jeff Carter, and eh, Dustin Brown to an extent. Mike Richards was there, right? Yeah, but he wasn't. He was really bad yeah, the second time they won. Yeah, yeah. And then Dowdy. And the, like like I said, yeah, the other guys are good. Like Alec guys. Martinez, the first time they won, they had Slava Voinov. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then so like when a guy like Dowdy just nosedives and Dustin Brown and Jeff Carter and Marion Gabrick, they just all got bad. So like the fact that you can prevent goals still, or you could until mm -hmm. these past two years, like it mattered a lot less. But anyway, like, yes, the reason they got bad is partially because Drew Doughty's got really bad in his late 20s. Mm -hmm. So we want to transition real quick. Speaking of people that have seemingly gotten bad earlier than you would have thought, Taylor Hall <laughs> still only has two goals this year, uh, one of which was scored in the first game of the season. Mm -hmm. He's going to put up like four tonight now just because we we're yeah. about to talk about that. Go ahead. I hope though. so. <laughs> Can they get anything good for him in a trade at this point? <laughs> That's what I'm really curious about because I have seen, did you see the mock trade that I can't, no. I think it was like through Sportsnet or somebody. And somebody said that from Boston, they would be able to get DeBrusque in a first. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, Kevin Adams, if you can live, if you can get that, you need to call oh Sweeney God. right the hell now. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I think that, it depends. We So as we're recording this right now, it's 31st. By the time everyone's listening to this, it'll be April 1st. So you'll have, you know, 11, 12 days before the trade deadline comes around. Um, I think it depends. I mean, if they are going to wait until the trade deadline to, to trade him, I mean, maybe they do that to wait and see if he starts clicking a little bit and starts to rack up a couple points in the next 10 days. To me, I would hope in my most optimistic sense, because there's not really a whole lot of that these days that maybe they hang on to them until the deadline, a couple of teams who are middling playoff teams who are kind of like on the bubble, they decide that they don't want to sell and they think that they want to go for it, which then can lead to a bidding war for Taylor Hall for a team that desperately needs a top six forward um i don't know off the top of my head right now but i'd also be curious to see if over the next 10 days if 
any injuries occur. And then that opens up a hole for a team, like a contender where they need to add a guy. And then the desperation goes up a little bit. So best case scenario is I think they hold on to him until deadline day, wait and see how standing shake out, who's going to end up being a buyer, who will be a seller, any injuries occur. And hopefully then Kevin Adams can kind of facilitate some sort of uh, a bidding match for him that would drive up the cost. I would be pleasantly surprised if they're able to get a first round pick for him. I say pleasantly surprised and not like totally flabbergasted because we're going to be talking about what's probably going to amount to like a pick in the 20 plus range. Um, So it's within reason that they potentially could. I mean, he's two years removed from his MVP season and maybe you can convince a GM that he just really, really, really needs a change of scenery to be able to kind of figure it out. And that once he gets that and gets a better supporting cast, that things are going to start clicking for him. And maybe you won't get the MVP caliber player that you got two years ago, but you'll get a guy who can still be a consistent contributor to your top six forward group who can kind of be a good spark plug for a team, you know, who, who desperately needs it right now. I mean, I know St. Louis, there was some rumors that Buffalo and St. Louis were working on something. Um, you know, we don't know that to be true right now. There's definitely a couple pieces in St. Louis that I would like, um, be interested in them to, you know, try and go after. But again, I don't know if that would be with through Taylor Hall or through another trade. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It kind of depends. I think a lot of that is really going to shake out over the next 10 days. And, you know, on on one of our upcoming episodes, not even one, I mean, once we really get into April, I think, you know, we'll really start to turn our focus towards the trade deadline because the Sabres are, it's not even like in past years, you could say, you know, oh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. What like they, they need to be incredibly active and they need to start selling off parts. You just have to do it. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm curious to see, but as the trade deadline approaches, we'll definitely up the coverage, at least on our end on that front. I, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how high they could drive the price. What do you think? So for Hall, yeah, man, I think a team would have to be kind of desperate mm-hmm. and Boston might be because Boston's playing really poorly right now for mm-hmm. who they're supposed to be. Even their underlyings look bad. So and they're, they're a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, and they have to be thinking to themselves. They've they've been good for a really long time now, more than 10 years with a little break in the middle. Bergeron is not getting any younger. He's in his mid-30s. Marshan mm-hmm. is moving into his mid-30s. Tuka Rask is moving into his mid-30s. Have you seen this stuff about Boston fans turning on Pasternak? No. What? To that, I would Why? just like to say, I wait. What do you do? Not that just that he hasn't been producing as much as they want him <laughs> to be. And I, okay. I, when I say this, I say like radio show callers. Somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but a Boston hockey journalist had tweeted that they had heard uh, somebody had called into a Boston radio show and it said that they wanted them to trade Pasternak for Patrick Kane. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So that's insanely goddamn stupid. Uh, so this year, oh yeah, his off year. Oh man, this is disgusting. It's just off terrible. Year. I know. 27 points in 25 games. It's horrible. Only 14 goals. Now this is coming off. So last year he led the league in goals with 48 and 70 games. He had 95 points in 70 games. The year prior he had 81 and 66. Before that he had 80 and 82. In his age 20 season, he had 70 and 75 <laughs> games. And he was drafted 
25th overall. People are absolutely psychotic. Yeah, especially it, it, in that it only took of the country. One, I don't what mean, are you doing? No, I, I know. And I don't like, need I to get do that. Like, they have, like, he probably needs to produce a little bit more if they're going to be good. But also, you know, you could do like have adequate replacement for Tory Krug. Maybe you work, work on that. Maybe try to get a second line winger. David Craig, he's not also another guy. Not that's rely on under. Nick Ritchie to, yeah, yeah, be like a top six source yeah. of scoring. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Charlie Coyle, he's he's good, right? Yeah, he's no Taylor Hall, or maybe he is. I don't know. <laughs> Taylor Hall also only had sixteen goals last year. Maybe I don't know. Sometimes the, sometimes it comes when when the, you know when we say there's an average time for guys to start declining. You tend to think superstars fall on the other side. You're right. Superstars do fall on the other side of that average. Mm -hmm. They tend to decline a little bit later, maybe in their early 30s. Not all of them, though. Some guys fall off a cliff. Yep. And some guys are able to somehow sustain. Somehow we have three of those guys on the same team. But (laughs) anyway. Uh, Should we do your quiz? Well, one more thing I want to say first. What do you got? Oh, yeah. We talked about about goaltending. We talked a little bit about why it's bad. It's bad. So I would say I pointed this out on Twitter, or at least I opined on this. Uh, I think Olmark is so much better, like 10 times better than all three goalies that have played this year, like not even in the same league. Is that even up for debate? No, (laughs) but here's the but part of it that makes that kind of points out how ridiculous that is because Olmark is maybe the worst starting goalie besides these guys the Sabres have had uh, in my lifetime. Not ever, but like not not even my lifetime. So, okay. Actually, you know what? My lifetime. The starting goalies are Hashik, Miller. Okay. Baran. Uh, well, Hashik, Hashik, Baran, Miller, to do a chronological. Well, yeah. Enroth, Leonard, Hutton, and Allmark. So Hutton's Neuverth, the you could probably throw in no, there. No, I wouldn't call him a starting goalie. Maybe, maybe. He one. started. Okay. So I don't know that I would take. All Mark over in Weaver. Well, like, I mean, yeah. everyone starts. Pop, Pop, starts. What about Jocelyn Tebow started? Well, you like, know what I mean. Maybe you could. Neuvers was there for such a short time. Not a proper starter. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. You I know? mean, yeah. But so, like, just the easy part is you take Hashik. <laughs> I'd have to look at their numbers, though, because when you're saying with like Leonard and, and well, Ben Roth, like, here's the easy one Hashik and Miller. Yeah. Easy. Sure. Baran. Yeah, I would probably say that, yeah. Leonard is interesting as a Sabres goalie because his first year he only played 20 games, but he was around a 920. Then he played a full season at around 920 while being terrible in the shootout. And then he had an awful season where it seems like, you know, according to himself, he was drunk all the time and depressed. And then he was really good after he left. He's been good three years in a row now. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I have him ahead of Allmark. Well, I'm. We're talking about now. Enroth, yeah. you could you can convince me because that Enroth basically it's that 2014-15 year. There's no real Enroth comes as a starter. He kind of splits time with Neuverth for a little while. They're both pretty good, and they both get traded because of that. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have like Anders Lindbach, Matt Hackett playing. But I guess you would call Enroth a starter because he became a starter after. I would. Oh yeah, I would. Yeah. You could be included, but like I said, I need to look into that a little bit more before definitively saying that. Because if we're talking time as a saber, you could maybe. I'd be curious to look back at some of Allmark's numbers compared to to Laner, and even though Laner did have, like you said, like the nine twenty, like more so Enroth, but yeah, I guess I mean. 
but that's also just like a really low bar too. Like since Miller, what have we had? That's been almost 10 years, you know, they haven't had anything. And I think that something that I don't know if we want to get into this now, or if you'd rather wait until maybe next episode, but my brain has been turning, thinking about who our options are for next year, potentially to take over, to do like a one, a one B thing where Allmark is the one B. Yes. Uh, well, or maybe the two, depending on who you get. Either way, yeah. But, so, big news on that front. And you're probably right on 1A, 1B. That's how most teams just operate these days. Yeah. So, Florida signed Spencer Knight today, which is their big goalie prospect. Mm-hmm. First round draft pick and two years ago. For the next, like, 100 years, they'll be paying Sergei Bavrovsky $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. So, they will have him as well. Now, this year... And you're going over the guy's name because I can't. Their backup, whose name is escaping Chris Stryger. Stryger. Right. Yeah. Has played really well. Very He's well. He's played, let's say, outplayed Bobrovsky. But Not even, let's say, like, definitively has. <laughs> yeah, he really yeah. has. Bobrovsky really fell off a cliff. But this guy's playing really well, and now he's going to become available. Now, we were talking, and the Sabres were not listening, a couple of weeks ago about how right now you're the only team looking for a coach. So mm-hmm. go get that coach now. The Sabres right now are the only team probably looking for a goalie mm-hmm. at the deadline. There's not a lot of teams that are trading four goalies for runs usually. So right now you're not competing against anyone. Now Florida knows that there'll be more competition in the summer. So maybe they don't want to do this trade. And also they need him for Florida's well positioned to make a run in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. So you're going to really want to trade this dude when your other option is Bob and a a rookie goalie, like, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I think Spencer Knight's going to be great. And I think that all the hype that people have for him is very well warranted, but I mean, he driver has been their guy this year. Yeah. Like they're he's, they've leaned on him and he's come through for them. And if you're trying to make a run at the playoffs, I have a hard time thinking that Quenville will be like, yeah, get rid of our best goalie right now. Right. So this, so, but the summer though, Florida probably will not. Well, I wasn't going to say that Florida will probably not want to look at that and go like, okay, yes, we'll take less now knowing there'll be more people looking for wanting to trade for him in the summer, especially with the situation you laid out. But someone might be looking to trade for a goalie now, mm-hmm. and there's no reason you couldn't trade for two. Yeah. What do you? Well, so? I'm just uh, multiple guys. So Antti Ranta could be available. Yeah. Right. New York is gonna maybe have to expose one of their goalies. So maybe they. Would it wouldn't be. Sh- I mean, they would. They would have to probably leave Georgia because there's no way that they would expose Shesterkin. So, so yeah. Instead, they would rather trade him and expose some other goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it would make sense. In uh, you know whatever's going on in Columbus, it doesn't seem like they're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably aren't to that point yet mentally, but yeah. And I'll, let, the goalies, I'll let them down easy. They're not well, making the playoffs. Both the goalies too have had injury issues this season. Yeah. Both Corby Salo and Merz- so I'm not saying you have. I'm saying it's an idea to at least poke, poke around at the deadline. At the very least it prepares you for the summer. That's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, we were talking about this earlier too. I personally love the idea of Peter Morazic, if that's going to be an actual possibility. So Morazic has been hurt for the majority of this season. I believe he's only had five starts this season. I can double check that for sure right now. Um, Morazic has started four games this season with two wins, a 9.55 save percentage, and a 0.99 goals against average. Um, so 
Mrazek has dealt with injury issues in the past. His contract is up with Carolina. He signed a two-year deal two years ago at 3.125 a year uh, back then. And I would really, 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 if I was the Sabres, I mean, he would be a guy that I would be looking at to go in the free agent route. And I know that we're both pretty firmly going after big fishes in free agency isn't a great idea. But if his contract before that one, I believe was about $4 million a year for I think it was like a three or four year deal. Um, so now coming out of this season, I believe he's gonna be, how old is he? 29. So he just turned 29 actually. So I would really love it if they potentially made a run at him because he when healthy has had success. And I know understandably people will say, well, yeah, when he's healthy, he hasn't been healthy. So why are we going to try and go after a guy who's just been injured regularly? Well, if that's going to help drive his costs down a bit and you can get him maybe on like a two-year deal, say, for in a similar range of what he's getting paid right now, um, give him like a Carter Hutton contract, honestly. Like something even like that, probably have to pay him a little bit more but that is absolutely somebody who I would love to see them go after because yes, there is definite, there's definite risk involved, but I love the idea of them potentially being able to get a guy who's like a legit bona fide starter on a discount because teams are going to be worried about his injury concerns. And if you could take advantage of that, and then he is able to stay healthy for you, then you have a steal for two or three years and you have a guy who's super reliable, especially also considering that Carolina right now, they're probably going to end up dealing James Reimer, I would assume, maybe come yeah. uh, trade deadline time. And I will pass on that one. <laughs> Definitely, yes. But their young goalie, Alex, I think it's Nadeljevic, Djokovic. Um, I have him on my fantasy team, actually. But he's been great for them this season. And it's been kind of surprising in the way that he's been able to kind of lead them to wins and help keep them on, on track right now, because Reimer, even though he's been okay, is James Reimer and not anything to write home about really. So Mrazek is a name that really intrigues me coming this summer, but we'll talk about that once we get a little bit closer. Did so Mrazek, didn't he play uh, in world juniors in Buffalo in like 2010, 11? He might've, I think. Yeah. Isn't there Republic? Maybe it's Buffalo, but I feel like he was a guy who used to he used to have a bunch of weird like mannerisms and stuff. Could be. Mm, Czech goalies, they're uh they're a strange group of people. They definitely yeah, they were he was drafted in 2010. Okay, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. So anyways, do we want to do our quiz now? Let's do it. So we've played this game a few times. Uh-oh. And I've never come up with uh, a good name for it still. Okay. So it's just like which one is higher? Oh, this game. game. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say two hey, things man. and Brendan will say which one's higher. Hey, it's legal to do that in new york now that's right <laughs> yeah absolutely cringy old man it, weed joke yeah for everybody's everyone's listening pleasure. everyone's honking on the doobies <laughs> the dopers and the hopheads oh. oh man all right let's do this thing how many questions you got 10 10 so i'm ready be graded all right so for starters an anecdote back in 1986 joe bear perot retired from the buffalo sabers however in that offseason the union negotiated a better uh, pension deal with the NHL and to uh, qualify for this pension, you had to have played 20 games, at least in the 86, 87 season. And it would kick in after that. So Perot came back for 20 games exactly. And then retired again. I don't know how many people know that. 
Like literally that's the, interesting. the best position player or position player. Like it's baseball, it's baseball season folks. Yeah. Best yeah, non-goalie. yeah. The best player at non-goalie in Sabres history just was like, hold on, I'm here to get my check. Yeah. And Sabres were like, all right, fair enough. Cause they were terrible. Anyway, he leaves. And at the end of that season, they get the first overall pick because they were the worst team in the league mm-hmm. and they draft Pierre Turgeon. That's right. And people probably thought at that point, like, Hey, this is a replacement for Perot and Tur- Turgeon was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you know how close they were in points? Which one had more points in their career? Turgeon or Perot? Yep. Also, while you're Ooh. guessing, do you know what happened to Turgeon? He got hurt, right? Well, why he didn't become a Sabre anymore? Or why he wasn't a Sabre? Because they years. traded him for LaFontaine. Yeah. Seemed like a good trade for a little bit, but well, probably yeah. not, unfortunately. Oh, LaFontaine. Yeah. The injuries. The injury stuff, yeah. Um, who had more though? I'll go with, uh, I'm going to go with Perot. No, it's really? actually Turgeon 1327 to 1326. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Right. It's incredible. That's ridiculous. So that's number one there. All right. Very interesting. So staying on this, mm-hmm. this Turgeon fellow, he stuck around for a while, obviously to get all those points. So this isn't really, which is higher. It's, which is, which is later his last game. Or Patrick Kane's first game. What came later? Yeah. Kane's first game. That's correct. Yeah. So Kane debuted in October 2007. Turgeon retired in the spring of 07. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Played for his last team was Colorado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I knew he played post lockout, but I knew he he wouldn't have been good. playing with Kane. Was well, <laughs> no. that too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So everyone knows that uh, Alexander McGillney scored seventy six goals mm. uh, for the Sabers. People might not remember that he actually had a fifty five goal season for the Vancouver Canucks in his first year there, ninety five ninety six, his second best season. So what's higher that? Or the career goal totals of everyone the Sabres have drafted in the first round from 2016 to 2020. Oh my God. So that is every single first round player from the past five years. Total of six guys. Total of six guys, and they would have to surpass 55 career goals? Yes, and they're 410 plus career games. Oh my God. All right. So breaking that down, you said from 2016? Yep. Um, Newlander, Milstat, Valine, Cousins, Quinn. No, no. So which is higher? Mogilney. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Jack uh, Quinn and Ryan Johnson obviously haven't Johnson, played games yeah. yet, but the other four you mentioned have combined for fifty goals and four hundred and ten games. Gilney hate to see that 55 yikes Nylander, not good Nylander, is something up with him is he like in the ahl i don't know <laughs> i haven't even been keeping up with him i think we still won intentionally yes yeah. despite yoki harder's tough year yeah all right so carter hutton's having a tough year <laughs> that's putting it lightly really bad save percentage but is it higher than the save percentage grant fear had when he won the vesna and was number two in heart trophy voting in 1988 What did you say Hutton's is? 
I didn't say. Oh, you did, so Hutton's save percentage this season versus, versus Grant Fear winning the Vezina and being number two in heart voting for the 1988 Edmonton Oilers. Who won the Stanley Cup, you might remember, actually. Mm-hmm. They beat the Boston Bruins. I know Fear is save percent. It was on the lower side. Mm. Which is higher? Yeah. I'm going to assume that I'm wrong and that this is a trick question, but I'm still going to go with fear. Fears is higher. Yeah. Incorrect. Yeah. See, Fears was 881. Hutton's is 886. Good. Good God. Fears was not top 10 that year though. So different time. Wow. I don't know what the voters were thinking. <laughs> they just, they were like, you know what? We're sick of, uh, we're sick of voting for Gretzky. I guess. Yeah. We're sick of voting for like all these awards for Paul Coffee or Messier or whatever. Yeah. We'll throw Yari Curry a bone then. Anyway, moving on here. Uh, former Sabre Tom Barrasso, mm. the youngest of Vesna Trophy winner ever. Now, who was younger? Barrasso when he was accepting the Vesna Trophy. Or Jack Quinn right now. Hmm. Quinn's birthday relative to his draft class. He's older, I'm pretty sure. Right? Or is he is this the other way around? No, maybe that is the other way around. Um Who's older between Barrasso when he won the Vesna and Quinn right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to be the same age, and it's just going to come down to days or something like that. I would have to think it'd be close, but I'll go Barrasso. Is he younger? Yeah. That's correct. Cool. He was 19 years and three months old. Uh, Quinn is 19 years and six months old. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, now our our good pal we talked about earlier, Rasmus Ristolainen, mm-hmm. played for the Sabres for a while. He's mostly been healthy. Mm. Uh, so he's racked up a lot of games. But has he played as many games as franchise legend Rennie Robert, whose game play total, who games played total is higher? Ristolainen and Robert? Mm-hmm. Ristolainen. Incorrect. Really? Robert is at 524 and Ristolainen's at 520. So Ristolainen will pass him within the next Wow. Okay. That's the thing. I thought Ristolainen, yeah. I mean, I knew it was going to be close, but I thought, because I knew Robert was, would have been around like 500, which is why I was like, Ristolainen has to have more. So that makes sense that it was so close. close. Yeah. All right. Here's a, here's an interesting one. Mm. The Sabres have signed a few disappointing free agents. What? In, in, in our lifetime. When? Well, two examples in particular are Rob Niedermeyer or Taylor Hall. Goodness. But who scored more often in their like, year as a Sabre? Are you saying points per game or goals per game? Goals. So games per goal, actually. Games per goal. Look at it because their goals per game is so infinitesimally small. So their games per goal, how long did it take them to score a goal on average? Niedermeyer obviously played a full year, and this was half of a short season for Hall, a little bit more than, maybe, I don't know, close to two-thirds of a short season, but still. Niedermeyer. Scored more often? Yeah. That is correct. 
God. He scored every 14.2 games. Taylor Hall scores goals every 17 games. I hate that. Okay. <laughs> I need a mark. Good Lord. Yeah, that's bad. All really right. bad. Okay. Here's a fun one. Tage Thompson has been some, getting some playing time recently. Unfortunately. So he is up to 123 career games before tonight's game against the Flyers. And he, so in those games, does he have more points than McDavid has had in March? Say so that one more time. Tage Thompson's 123 career game stretching from 2017-18 season to now. Is his point total higher in that time? Or is McDavid's point total from March higher? Which number is higher? McDavid. I don't even... <laughs> it's it's actually Tage, but just That's... barely. Tage 123 games has 24 points. McDavid actually had 23 points in the month of March. God, well, hold on a second. Are they playing tonight? Ooh, let me check real quick because that could change. I thought I checked and saw that they weren't, but I could be wrong here. Because if they play, he'll almost certainly pass Tage. Yeah, yeah. He's having a nice little year for himself, that guy. Who would have thought? Connor McDavid. Wow. Yeah. What a what an unbelievable story of triumph and overcoming adversity. Who would have thought that Connor McDavid would be such a good hockey player? I never expected it. No, they're Me not playing neither. tonight. Oh, so all right. Well, unfortunately, he'll end his month of March with just twenty three. Congratulations, Tage! You accomplished something for the first time in your career. Well, he is tall. Yeah, I guess, but I don't use that as a thing that I've accomplished. I'm tall, too. I would if I were you. What? I'm hoping to get to six feet someday. I think I'm well on my way. You never know. All right, so... Give me some platform shoes. <laughs> yeah. Stilts. Two guys in two different sports, somewhat contemporaries, both known for being sidekicks on championship teams, both three-time champions. But who's playoff games total is higher Evgeny Malkin or Dwayne Wade who's played more playoff games oh this is a good one um Malkin or Wade I'll go Malkin basing it on nothing it's actually Wade 177 to 166 but malcolm will probably pass him at some point yeah i would assume wade is now retired mm-hmm. wasted those three years in college how nothing can pass him this year he could yeah they play two rounds no reason he couldn't mm-hmm. all right now here's a fun one put me out of my misery how many more are there <laughs> this is the last one okay good. let's see what are you going for here one i think two, i got like four three, three four four. four well you could get you get up to half there we go 50% from the field. That's a, it's a great shooting percentage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. And it's pretty good in basketball and unbelievable in hockey. Mm-hmm. So which is higher the gross of cinematic lead. Do I want to call it that? Do I want to call it one of the greatest piece of works of art in American history oh, ever put onto film? What is it? Boss baby. <laughs> What's higher? It's worldwide gross in millions <laughs> or Brian Campbell's career point total. Wait, say that again. So the, you're saying the boss babies worldwide <laughs> gross in millions or Brian Campbell's 
total points in his career. Oh, Taylor, this is this is just a preposterous question. You understand that what I'm saying? I do, I okay, do, okay. Uh, but it's so ridiculous. It's your favorite movie. Uh, I, it's your favorite movie. It's, it's our mutual favorite movie. Oh, fair I enough. Say. Um, Some call after the, our, uh, our hot date that we went on to go see Boss Baby together. That's right. Way back when, when it was in theaters. It was like four years ago. God, what were we thinking? Some people call it the Citizen Kane of the baby world. I would, I would probably say it's even better than Citizen Kane. Have you seen Citizen Kane? I have. Really? And Boss Baby is better. <laughs> it's better than Boss Baby is. You could probably, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see where they're going to go with the Boss Baby cinematic universe in the future. Well, they turned it into a show. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is interesting that Alec Baldwin had the range to play someone who was both a baby and a tyrant. Yeah. How did he pull that one off? Wild. Not like he's ever needed to do that at any other <laughs> points. Uh, you know what? Just because Boss Baby is never the wrong answer, I'm going to go Boss Baby. Correct. Boss yeah! Baby $527 million worldwide. Let's get it. Brian Campbell had 504 career points. You got exactly half right, which since this is a guessing game means you just you just guessed. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Very nice. Taylor, tell me, what are you recommending to the listeners this week? Oh, man. What a world we live in, isn't it? <laughs> I agree. Is it weird if I, I still I, recommend the NCAA tournament like yeah, for like the fourth can. week in a row? Yeah. So no, I mean, whatever you want to do. Well, you know what? I want to recommend a book. I learned how to read, by Ooh. the way. I know I, I lied last when did episode. You learn? Uh just uh, the other day. Congrats, man. Yeah. That's great. So I'm still trying. It's called The Hike. It's by Drew McGarry. You might know Drew's work from mm. literally every website on the internet, but mm. currently Defector great website formerly deadspin and a hundred other places like they list them out in the book and i'm like oh, holy shit this guy's written for a lot of websites uh so great book it's a work of fiction but i think most people would like it i'm not going to spoil anything about it and tell you what it's about but it's it's a fantastical and fantastic nice yeah i like that cool i'm gonna go switch it up i'm gonna do two tv shows that are intertwined with one another so as I have talked about many, many times on this podcast or anybody who follows us, me on social media, um, you know, I'm a huge, huge Star Wars fan. And yesterday, Star Wars released the first trailer for a new animated show coming out called The Bad Batch, which is based on uh, several clones who are part of the Clone Wars, if you're familiar again with Star Wars, who were featured in the final season of the animated show, The Clone Wars. So I'm actually going to recommend both Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars 2 animated TV show, like 3D animated shows, um, because this new show, The Bad Batch, is going to be coming out uh, in May, I believe. But both Clone Wars and Rebels are canon. So like the events that happen in them are a part of like official Star Wars lore. Mm. And so... A lot of times when people think animated shows, especially with Star Wars, are like, oh, it's for kids. It is super not for kids. It's, it is, they're both like, both shows, you essentially have to get through the first season because that is kind of geared a little bit more towards kids. But once you get beyond that, not even the first season of, season of Rebels, more so the first season of Clone Wars, but like once you get beyond that and you actually get into it, you realize that 
the creators of the show realized that their audience was not children and that it was people in their like 20s and 30s and stuff and like adults uh and the quality of both of them gets better with each passing season and each storyline story arc i guess um so i've talked to a lot of friends who are big star wars fans but they did not give clone wars or rebels a chance because of the fact that it was animated and they just had the preconceived notion that because of that it was meant for kids but i am here to tell you that you should absolutely watch both of those shows in fact you should watch them for two different reasons one for clone wars is because one of the things that that show intentionally and also inadvertently did if that makes sense is it made the prequels look significantly better well did they do it intentionally or inadvertently well it was intentional in that they wanted to make anakin way better and anakin in the clone wars tv show is if he was portrayed like that in the movies the movies would be way more well received because absolutely anakin in the clone he wars loves sand in this one he, people, oh. people back in the early aughts sand was huge oh, so people tell this guy like i hate sand and like screw this guy they never got into mm -hmm. the character so they didn't care when he became darth vader right right yeah people forget that people it, do they it's do like how they forget about the iraq war or whatever the inadvertent part of it though of how it even made it better too was because one of the eventual main characters of that show ahsoka tano who was recently featured in the most recent season of the mandalorian she is anakin skywalker's padawan and originally when she was introduced people really did not like her character at all which a lot of that just is kind of the usual like sexism that you deal with with star wars fans which is bullshit to begin with but she ends up turning into you could probably make the case that she's like the at least for me like maybe my favorite female character in star wars like she is so awesome and it is in large part because of both of these shows both the clone wars and rebels because that's where you know we didn't get her in live action until this past year but um anyways clone wars is really great and then rebels is its own thing where it takes place between episode three and episode four so right before um the original trilogy begins like a few years before and all new characters at least like the main characters with some of the classics mixed in um you get a lot of darth vader content you get some you get leia in an episode you get lando in a couple episodes like young versions and the main cast of this show too of rebels is like really cool freddie prince jr love freddie prince jr he actually stars as one of the jedi in the show um and it's essentially just about like what yeah wow he voices kanan jarris who's like the like older Jedi he's like a Jedi Knight and is like 30s I think at this point but um really really great show the storylines are awesome the animation is awesome the action's awesome the humor is really good and it is so popular that now we are going to get a bunch of these characters brought into live action over the next like three years mm. I'm pretty sure there are five main characters in Rebels and like in like the main crew and three of them are going to be in like like the focus of live action star wars projects over the next like five years freddie prince jr was in scooby-doo as well you know that's that? well of course he was Do you ever notice how similar the cast is live action scooby-doo is to i know you did last summer 
Very close. There's a lot of overlap there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Love Freddy, though. Freddy's great. That's a very interesting addition. But well, yeah, have you ever watched either of those? No. We should watch them sometime. They're really good. I really can't recommend like Star Wars Rebels enough. But like, if you're the kind of person that's salty about the uh, prequel trilogy and you want to see Anakin the way that he was supposed to be portrayed, no offense to Hayden Christensen because I'm very hyped that he's about to be back for the Obi Wan series. But that is what's up. Like, absolutely watch it. It's so good crazy good storylines you get to kind of it personalizes like the clones too and you get to learn more about all the other cool jedi aside from just like anakin and obi-wan so highly recommend that but that's my recommendation sorry did not mean to ramble there for that long it's not okay i i quit (laughs) (laughs) who's your random sabers player taylor uh so it's his birthday today and we already mentioned him but it's tom barrasso he turned 56 today and like a, you know, crazy, crazy career. He was playing high school hockey, gets drafted, makes the team immediately, immediately gets a starting job, wins the Calder and the Vesna. And I guess if you look at it that way, like his career, you might think of it as kind of a disappointment, but like, that's just a crazy way to start a career. Mm-hmm. You can't keep that up. He had good and bad seasons on the Sabres. They trade him. He won two Stanley Cups. He's one of the best American hockey players ever. Did all right for himself. He did. You know, I don't, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. Pretty sure he's not. I don't think so. But like one of the Sabres, I think six Fezna winners. Wow. So good for him. Hell yeah. Good Hell career. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to go with uh, handsome man, Taylor Pyatt. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, Taylor, actually, any last thoughts before we sign off? Sabres are up 2 nothing right now. Goddamn right. And guess who scored one of the goals? Slamming Sammy S- Reinhardt. You're God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this most recent episode of Straight Up Sabres, again, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. This episode in particular and all of our recent episodes have been actually sponsored by DraftKings, our sponsor. You heard them at the top of this episode and every episode almost this season. Make sure you're going and utilizing DraftKings with our exclusive promo code THPN to take advantage of the many great deals that DraftKings has to offer if you are into sports betting. We cannot recommend enough that you bet all of your stimulus check on the Sabres. Yeah, it will only end up working out well. We promise. Yep. Uh, And if it doesn't, Taylor will pay you back in full. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. All the money I want on DraftKings betting against the Sabres. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. Yeah. Well, that partnership is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, though. 31 teams, 31 shows, bunch of other great content, as we always say. Make sure you're checking out the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com, checking out the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And through that, you'll be able to find links to all of our other many great shows that we have on the network. And also make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics. We are inching closer and closer to the draft. The offseason with free agency is now in full swing. And Buffalo Fanatics is where it's at. For all of your Bills coverage Uh, recently, they've had some really cool interviews with like Isaiah McKenzie was on. I had saw recently with uh, for an interview, uh, a couple other guys, but from the the podcasts all the way through to like the video work that they do. um, My buddy Clay actually uh, does a lot of really great video analysis for them. Make sure you follow him and follow Buffalo Fanatics on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. They are where it's at for all your Bills coverage. And make sure you are also following us, Straight Up Sabres, on Facebook and Instagram and at Straight Sabres on Twitter. And make sure you're following us on our personal accounts as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Brendan1423, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-1423. And you can find Taylor at Nigrelli93. Is that correct? 
You'll never find me. All right. Fair enough. Well, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres. We will talk to you all again on Monday. 